Today's reading is Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. It can be found on page 68 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Perhaps we feel that way. As we come into this place, we come feeling different things. Maybe we feel thirsty or like it's been a desert experience. Maybe we feel thankful and grateful because it's been a time of plenty. Maybe we come in with laughter and some of us come in with tears that we're holding back. And so as we sit in these seats, we can feel very uh, isolated or different or no one understands me, but really we're all in the same boat. We're all more of a mess than we care to admit and more broken than we want the people around us to know. And your, your love comes to us through Jesus Christ, tenaciously saying, you will bring love and acceptance to us regardless So that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit, in Christ we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. And oh, that that could be true, because quite frankly, it's easier to believe that we're a mess. It's easier to admit that to ourselves than to truly live as if we have found ourselves to be loved and that we have found a love that never goes away. And that that is from you. And that that is truly how you will view us no matter what. And so speak to us now as we bring all of our mess, all of our garbage, all of our history and our, our gripes, as we bring all of it to this time. Please pierce through all of it. And in some way that we need, would you speak to us in such a way that our lives might be changed by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Lent is 40 days. Did you know that? 40 days? And uh, some of you will, so, someone will come up to me afterwards and correct me and say, well, it's 40 days, not including the Sundays, because Sundays are the resurrection day. And so if you're doing some practice during Lent where you're doing something really hard and it's miserable, you're just miserable because you gave up this thing, today you can have it. It's resurrection day. Just remember that. Your pastor said, you can have chocolate, you can drink that beer, you know, whatever it is. Today is a free day. There's 40 days not including the Sundays. And Jesus, Jesus walked in the desert being tempted for 40 days. And uh, he didn't eat anything. And he was doing that, and we're told that in a way this, this number 40 is a big, kind of a big deal because way back further on, we, like the story we read from today, is from the time of the ancient people of Israel were in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. 40. They were in the desert. Deserts are, um, deserts are harsh. We might go to a national park and bring a whole bunch of gear and kind of go in, make a, a little foray into the desert for like, you know, a couple hours, and, and, and we bring all our, our camelback water and our, you know, sunscreen, and, we, and then we quickly retreat when it gets to be about one or two o'clock. We get out of that desert, but deserts are harsh, and in deserts, death is uh, just a fewer steps away than it normally is in other places. And it, it's scary. We can get desperate in the desert. There's a desert in Namibia where there's a little tiny wasp that survives. And this, it's called the Pompili wasp. And the Pompili wasp needs to find a place to lay its eggs. And that has to be a place that has moisture, has, has nice, cool moisture. And that's what it's got to find somewhere in one of the biggest deserts in the world, this just heat beating down, sand everywhere, this tiny moss, mo- or this tiny wasp, and that wasp has a little survival strategy in the desert, which is something that's helpful when you're in the desert, have some survival strategy. It starts, if you've, maybe you've seen this, this uh, nature documentary that I saw, where it starts digging in the sand, it starts digging in the sand, you're like, what is it doing? What is it doing? It's just digging in the sand, and all of a sudden, out pops up this, it's called the golden wheel spider. And then you, it kind of starts to click. What this wasp is going to do is it found its moisture. It is going to sting this spider. And while the spider is incapacitated, it's going to plant its eggs inside the, the body of the spider. Isn't that kind of nasty and kind of also awesome at the same time? The story's not over. Yeah, it's just nasty. Everyone who says nasty, raise your hand. Everyone who says awesome, raise your hand. Here you go. Um, it's not over, though. The story's not over. Um, what else happens is this golden wheel spider has something up its sleeve, too. It has a little survival strategy in this Namibian desert. And as they fight and as they battle, and when the spider says, um, I'm not going to win this battle, when it gets to that point, if it has been done the smart thing and, it, and begun to dig its hole on a hill, on the top of a hill, now remember its name, Golden Wheel Spider, it tucks its legs a certain way and begins to roll down the hill so fast that the wasp can't keep up, and it gets away. Huh. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? 
So that one's not nasty. That's kind of cool. Survive, you know, it helps when you're in a desert to have some way out, to have some way to get through and to stay alive. And um, I don't know if you've been in a desert of any sort or felt that, felt in that way. Maybe you felt like that spider or maybe you felt like that wasp. Like, I, I kind of think I know what I'm supposed to do, but there's nowhere to do it or there, things aren't lining up correctly. Maybe you've been in a place like that. You, you, this feeling of like, you're not getting what seems like you need in life. Like the good things that seem like the natural things or what your parents told you to pursue or what you what the natural thing is to have next, the thing that seems to make you happy and healthy and survive, it's not happening. You're in a desert. Be nice to have a, a superpower like the spider, but you don't have one. And so what we tend to do is we tend to formulate a complaint of some sort when we're in our deserts. Um, and if you're a Christian and you're formulating your complaint, you might direct that at God and you, and you basically say, are you seeing this? Are you even around? Do you see what's going on? And two of the most important things to note in the story of the Israelites is that they don't seem to be getting what, I mean, is it too much to ask? A little bit of water. We need water to survive. And so they're, they're, um, they're saying, we're going to die of thirst. We've been brought out of Egypt just out into this desert to die of thirst. Not getting what they need. And they're formulating a complaint. At the end, we, catch, we finally catch, it's, it's done very interestingly how this is written, is that finally at the, the end, you see what they're really saying. And, and this is what we're told they were saying. Is the Lord among us or not? We're not told until the very, after the whole story is over, we find out that's what the issue was. Is God, are you here or not? They formulated a complaint. And for, for all of you sitting here, you're either in a desert in some way right now in life, and you can relate because of that, or you've been in one in the past, or you'll be in one sometime soon. <laughs> So cheer up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Cheer up. You'll be there soon. Three possibilities. You've been in one, you're in one, or you'll be in one soon. You'll be in a financial desert, a relationship desert, a depression desert. You'll be in a child-rearing desert, which is also kind of like a self-care desert and a sleep desert. Um, you might be in an employment desert. You might be in a um, food insecurity desert or a loneliness desert or an acceptance desert. And when you're in your desert, you'll get desperate and you'll get scared and you'll get angry. These are natural things when it feels like life is being threatened. And so you'll do like what the Israelites do, and you'll formulate a complaint, and it might feel a little bit like a childish tantrum because you're so filled with you know, fear and anger and desperation. You'll formulate maybe a not-so-appropriate complaint, an inappropriate complaint. Now, why do I call this what Israel is doing here? Why do I call it an inappropriate complaint? Well... The Exodus, the book of Exodus, as it tells the story of the Israelites in this 40-year desert journey, they, the storyteller wants you to feel it that way. Like, this is a ridiculous, overblown complaint. 
Because look, what has just happened, this is how we're told the story, is that right before this, they're bottling up, up and putting in a jar for the memory of the Israelites of all times to never forget that while they were in the desert when they were hungry and they asked, God brought them bread from the sky. And that's the last thing that happened in the story. Don't forget, that's just happened. And right before that, when they were um, being, um, you know, being chased by one of the fiercest armies in the land, um, and they had no weapons, and they get to the Red Sea and they're trapped, Moses taps the water with his staff, and the water goes up side to side, and they walk through dry land. That's chapters 14 and 15. 16 is the bread, the manna from the sky, and then the one before that is go through the dry land, and then, of course, the army will get them, right? Because they'll follow through. No, the water falls on the army. So this is, that's why, as you get to this story, you say, are you kidding me? That they're, they're saying, oh, God, are you around? Are you even here with us in this desert? After all that's just happened? So they have a, just like, just like we do, because they're just, we're just like them. Their complaint lacks faith. Their complaint lacks uh, it, really a sense of reality and a sense of history. Their complaint oversteps the bounds of the proper bounds of their relationship. Their, their complaint feels like they're entitled. They're overly entitled. But what God does is God graciously, without any rebuke, just gives them what they are complaining about. He arrives, he says, I will stand there and the water will flow out of the rock. And he, so God arrives and provides for childish crybabies. <laughs> There's room for you <laughs> with God. And it's, it's fun. So Moses comes and says, they're about to stone me. And God, you see God going, ha, ah, that's an idea. Funny you should talk about rocks. Why don't you get good idea, Moses? Why don't you go stand by a rock? And uh, oh, that staff, the last time you touched something with it, remember you touched water, and then I brought dry ground. Touch the dry rock, and I'll bring water. Yeah, let's do that. That's God. And so instead of Moses losing his life at the with a rock. The Israelites get their life back through a rock. And Moses, as this mediator in this story, he's setting the stage. Well, really, and really other New Testament writers, this is another little tangent, just a fun Bible tangent, but some people point to the, in the New Testament, it's pointed to the rock and say, Jesus is the rock, you know, that brings us living water. So the, this story was already talking about Jesus and the rock. And also, this story is already pointing to Jesus because Moses is a mediator. And Moses, as they're, uh, the stone throwers are about to you know, put him to death, Moses says, what am I to do? Moses has to ask God, what, what should I do here? And when the stone throwers come to Jesus and want to put his life to an end, he doesn't have to ask. He doesn't have to ask God what to do. He knows. And what he does is from the executioner's cross, he knows what to say and what to do. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
it's interesting to see that theme go all the way through this story. The theme of even as Jesus comes and even as, even as the angry mob of stone throwers are chanting at, against him and having nails driven into his hands, his wrists, Jesus, because he's part of this big God story that started long ago back in the desert, Jesus sees the anger and the misformulated complaint, inappropriately formulated complaint, and he says, you know what I see here? I see a thirst. That is, these people are not in touch with a thirst that is being expressed right now, albeit inappropriately. They're putting Jesus on a cross, but it's nonetheless, Jesus underneath it sees this deep human thirst, and even in that circumstance, he can say, what these people need is what we all need, is to be reconnected to the God of love, the living water that actually truly will satisfy us. And so this is what you need to hear. In a world where we inappropriately formulate our complaints, God has room for us. God has room for our inappropriately formulated complaints. Thank God, because I need that. So let me, let me cast a picture of the kind of responses we can give in the desert to just wrap this up. The, let's, let's take the pristine kind of halo response, okay? Um, maybe some of you have been able to do this once or twice in your life, but this would be the pious, trusting response in the desert. Oh God, I'm not getting right now what I seem to need. But that's okay because I trust that you're watching over my life and you love me. You know what I need better than I do. And so even though I think I need this, and I think I, need, I, think I know the way forward, I'm going to trust that you know it better and you're going to give me what I need. Thank you very much. Amen. That's one kind of prayer. And we all, all of us need to hear that kind of praying and be kind of enticed in that direction of praying. But most of you, most of the time, you'd admit to me, that's not, that's not your reaction to being in the desert. And so let's go way over to this other side. It seems like there's really only one other, I mean, you can kind of, the simplistic way to look at it, there's only two really kinds of responses to being in the desert. And the other one most common would be cynicism and mockery. And oh yeah, how's that faith going for you now, huh? How about that God that you say you believe in, huh? Look at what's going on in your life. How could you continue to hang on to that ridiculous notion when this is going on in your life? Mockery, you know, cynicism, that's, that seems like the other common response. But it's not that simple. It's not that binary. It's not just two ends of a spectrum. There's actually a, there's a middle place. There's a third one. So if you have like A, the trusting trusting response to the desert, and C, the um, cynical response to your desert, then you have B, you have the inappropriately voiced complaint. You have the childish, you have the unfair, you have the explosive, overreaching reaction to your desert. And through the whole story of the Bible, we see God has room for that. God has room for that. 
And even if, even though you need to be drawn and you need to see what a trusting response to your desert is, you need to see that and we all need to kind of move in that direction. It's also really important that God is gracious enough to allow for inappropriately formulated requests. Because I think, I think here's what I think the biggest importance is and why City Life Church here, we need to have room for all of your inappropriately formulated complaints, and we need to have room for all of your friends' inappropriately uh, formulated complaints, and we need to have, we, because there's this whole, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of relationships represented in this room of people who are over here with C, with mockery, cynicism, roll their eyes, and the bridge to the, the bridge from C to A is B. Someone who's over here, and you know these people, someone's over here and is like, good for you, go to your religious thing, but that's ridiculous and silly. They are so turned off by that pious, trusting, religious response with a halo over it, over there. They, the only hope is if there's a place like City Life where in the middle, you know, complainers are welcome. <laughs> where you're, you can complain to God in a way that's kind of like, come on, I mean, don't you believe these things? If you believe it, you'll be over here. No, we have room for you. If this is the best you can do right here, I'm confident that even God says, you know what? I hear it. I still hear it, and I give you what you need. Let's be a place. Let's be a safe place, even for that kind of response to to our deserts. Let's pray together. Our God of grace, may we embody... Uh, may we embody a community and a life that knows where we're depending on for our livelihood all around in life and that the stuff that really is going to nourish us is not a lot of the stuff that we're chasing. And teach us more and more through our desert experiences what really satisfies and what really lasts in our life. Sometimes the things that are taken away from us in a desert are the things that need to be taken away from us so that we can taste you, finally. And help us to be a place also where we can just, we can complain and we can, we can voice our struggles without fear of saying the ex- that, that we need to say the exact right pious thing because we say it in the midst of an imperfect community that is loved by a perfect, gracious God, to whom we pray. Amen.